Hey everybody, welcome to the Just the Two of Us podcast, where you know the deal, it's just the two of us. I'm John. I am Nate. Except tonight we've got a special guest with us, Mr. Josh Hansen. Welcome in, Josh. How are you doing? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> Better now that you're here? Yep. Josh, what's your uh, what's your official title for the county right now? Right now, I'm the Giddy County Emergency Management Director. How long have you been in that spot? I've been in there since uh, July of last year. Okay. And we hit, we invited you over or onto the show tonight because you have thrown your hat in the ring uh, to be in the running to be the Giddy County Sheriff. Rumor has it. So. <laughs> <laughs> been been pretty wild since you uh, since you announced. Yeah, it's not a typical day in the neighborhood, but yeah, it's uh, it's getting up there. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I thought we would probably do a show with you, just kind of a, like a meet the candidate type show. Learn more about you. Yeah, I like that. Cause you've got a nice bio on the site. Yeah, it's impressive. But Nate, he doesn't read real well. No, <laughs> or comprehend. <laughs> yeah, that what happened. We tried to write it for third grade, so yeah, yeah. Right. well, I'll get there. He'll get there. Uh, Josh was like leadership. Was that something you were always? Was that a path you th- you thought you'd go down? Yeah, so I think uh, um, the leadership starts with me back in high school. Um, okay. you know, a lot of guys uh, went and played sports and baseball and football. And yep. um, if you've seen my athletic ability, you'd understand why I didn't choose that path. <laughs> so I ended up uh, joining uh, Civil Air Patrol. I think it was uh, probably my first piece. I was in the, I did the whole Boy Scout thing, and, okay. um, and then uh, Civil Air Patrol was uh, actually an auxiliary of the U.S. Air Force. Okay. And uh, part of the education component to that was uh, leadership training. Okay. There's also like aerospace training and stuff like that in there. Um, I'm a military um, during high school, so I did four years of that before I actually went into real military, I guess. Okay. okay. And doing leadership training as part of um, as part of that training is it because that you know they're kind of grooming guys to fill leadership positions. They're kind of counting on everyone to move up the ranks and lead guys. Yeah, I would say uh, back in my high school days, that's a long time ago yeah. um, now, but uh, I think that was uh, one of the purposes behind it. It was also uh, a lot of people took it uh, as a stepping stone into military academies or, or yeah. the military actually would get some rank and uh, um, you make certain achievements in that program. So yep. it was a unique program for high school. I bet. And I think that uh, kind of started off my my career essentially, looking back at it. I don't often think that far back, but yeah. <laughs> we did tonight, so there we go. Yeah. you do any sports in high school? Uh, no, I didn't. No, I uh, it was uh, a civil air patrol, and I uh, I played a little baseball, like middle school. Um, I you know, I kind of tasted a couple sports, but it just yeah. wasn't my thing. I was going a different direction, whether sure. I knew it or not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got size. Was it a coordination issue? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, when I was in high school, I was 180 pounds. Oh, okay, okay. I was an absolute uh, beanstalk, and there was nothing uh, much holding myself up with the wind. So, <laughs> Got it. Was that uh, a path you knew you were going down once you got out of high school? Was that you are going straight in? Yeah, I had my mind made up probably in grade school, to be honest with you. I was going in the military. Yeah. There wasn't much... Uh, I don't think there was any debate about yeah. going to the military. It was, the only debate I had was uh, which branch. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think sparked it? Commando movies? <sighs> Maybe a little, too, a little too much Rambo. I don't yeah, know. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> I had some family members in the military, and i sure, you know, if you look back, it was uh, some TV. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of everything. Again, I think sometimes there's things in our lives that we don't really know the exact roots or mm-hmm. why. We just end up going that path, and yeah. things work out. So you didn't know right away what branch you were going into? No, and I originally was going to go into Marine Corps, and I was pretty set on the Marines because, you know, everybody sees a, a pretty Marine Corps blue uniform, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're the, uh, you know. The, were they the ones that were fighting dragons on their TV ads? I don't know, the problem. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in so, the, yeah. In the dress blues? Yeah. I ended up meeting an army recruiter, and uh, he was really good at recruiting, uh, better than mm-hmm. I was ever at, as a recruiter. And okay. uh, he ended up talking me into uh, the army, and then it was, hey, there's this thing called uh, Ranger Battalion, and maybe you should look at it. And I was like, hmm, okay, it's something totally my parents don't want me to do, so yeah. let's sign up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's do that. <laughs> uh, and that's something that, 
like the recruiter can guarantee you to get a spot or to get a at least a shot oh uh, you get a shot for selection okay. yeah at the time it was a contract uh, you can go through your uh, basic your airborne school and then you go to uh at the time it was called uh ranger indoctrination program it's currently called uh ranger assessment selection program RAS. okay keep in contact with any of those guys still yeah actually i'm uh, going to be doing a road march with two of them uh on monday Memorial Day. Oh, is that the Red Wing to Hastings one, or are you doing that, a different No, one? that's the Red Wing to Hastings, the march for them. So we've been doing it. This is going to be the seventh annual march now for uh, Memorial Day. Does it take all 364 days to talk yourself back into that one? Yes, yeah. and, <laughs> and then so. <laughs> How do, do you guys just walk it straight through, or do you take breaks? Yeah, we, ta- go? we take breaks, and uh, there's some debate about whether the breaks are uh, – a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> yeah. the muscles tense up and oh, the, yeah. the aches and the, the Cause yeah that, it takes a little bit warming up again that's 20 odd miles yeah about 28 i just call it 30 by the time yeah. you start by the, by the end of the day you're done you, you got a good 30 in is that a dawn to dusk thing how long does it take yeah so we're gonna leave red wing and we always leave red wing about five o'clock walk across high bridge uh, a couple checkpoints uh between six seven we should end up in hastings mm. Are, are the other two guys from around here too? Uh, yes, kind of. Actually, it's a small world. Um, and we didn't even know that we were even living near each other until probably about eight years ago. Okay. Um, last time I had seen any of them was uh, uh, Ranger Battalion. Uh, one of them just before we deployed to uh, Afghanistan in 2001, and then the other one, um, last time I had seen him was when we came back in 2002. Okay. Yep. So it was uh, a reconnect, and a group has just grown, and... It's a uh, it's a good time. It's a good time to remember a lot, of, a lot of guys. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, what a wild time to be in the military too, right around. Yeah, eleven. Well, it w- it was different because there isn't too many people that you talk to that actually seen the peacetime army. Yeah, yeah. right. So I went in in '99, and um, we we're still talking about you know Somalia and counter narcotics operations, and that was honestly like a lot of our training. Yep. And then uh, obviously 9/11 happened that Tuesday, and you know everybody's life changed after that so yeah i mean could you just feel that it was on yeah there was no doubt we were on the uh um the alert cycle uh we had just entered into the alert cycle if i remember right so we had actually just got packed up all of our water pellets anyways and uh, as soon as we started hearing about the the trade centers we were finishing up uh, morning pt just kind of doing our normal thing uh, down at fort benning and um came in i seen pretty much everyone huddled around the tvs and I was saying at the time was going to the show, you know, it yeah. was because uh, everyone talked about it. It was a peacetime army, so yeah, the last guys that had gone to the show or seen combat were the guys in Somalia, and some of them were still there. Yeah. Um. So they were like, "Yep, we're going." And uh, I remember right, um, a long time ago. Um, yeah. But we had the orders uh, straight from DC that night, and I remember seeing the signatures on there. It's pretty cool. Um, and our orders to uh, deploy in support of Operation During Freedom. It's actually more specifically uh, Task Force Sword, so really the first uh, among the first group that was on the ground over there. Oh, really? Wow! And what what was the task then when you landed? Well, ours was uh, we secured some airfields in the southern part of Afghanistan. Uh, we got split up in a lot of small elements um, the whole time, and you can read about this. Actually, John Kerry wrote a uh, significant paper on it. Uh, we had special forces in the north, uh, really chasing after in the Tora Bora region. Uh, chasing after bin laden and there's a lot of theories and it may, might even be out there in literature at this point that's when bin laden actually made it into pakistan okay so we are actually the rangers were actually kind of a faint or kind of a, a decoy um, to kind of draw the taliban and um, a lot of the attention and it was kind of a publicity stunt as well too just okay. uh following mm-hmm. 9-11 yeah um, while the real operations were actually occurring in the north so How's the the leadership laid out with the Rangers? I mean, do you find yourself in company with uh, with some decent leaders there? Yeah, I would say that they're uh, some of the best in our military, some of the best mm-hmm. in the country, and the reason being is they're all vetted. Uh, Ranger Battalion is really strong on uh, your non-commissioned officers, your sergeants. You're, they're leading boots on the ground, leading from the front. Yep. The officers are there. They, they have control of the big picture, but your sergeants are the ones that uh, take charge, and uh, they – they do their thing, and they they coach, they mentor, they uh, they lead away, and the guys uh, fall behind. Yeah, is there an, an amount of people that you can effectively lead? 
Like is too many guys a problem? Yeah, that's absolutely a problem. Um, and after World War II, and I think if we look at uh, the, the history books, uh, they figured out a number somewhere between four and five. They call it Spanish control. And we still use okay. the concept to this day. When they were doing the, during the island hopping campaigns, um, and some historian out there will probably correct me on everything I'm saying here, <laughs> but uh, during the island hopping campaigns, the, the command and control structure was they found that there's just too many people under um, the control of uh, one supervisor, essentially, on the yeah. ground. So what they figured out is uh, generally one person can control four to five people, and uh, that's your most effective uh, span of control or responsibility or you can actually control. When I teach guys, I tell them uh, there isn't a real set number that four to five is general rule. However, you just got to find yourself uh, a position in, in a group where um, you can best control your element. So if you're in a group of 10 guys and you might want to be in the middle of them or however that works out. So, right, right. so that does kind of translate to stuff you're doing today then. It, 100% it does, yeah. Hmm. So I would say probably a pretty common path for guys that coming out of the service would be law enforcement yeah i i would actually disagree with that i okay. i would say that a lot of my military buddies uh, especially the special operations community they a lot of them went into business okay um i i would say majority of the ones that i still in, con- are in contact with went into business okay. um just because uh, the leadership trade isn't just a government sector thing sure. actually right. corporate world if you google it i that's I want to say I've seen some numbers somewhere that they spend almost $80 billion a year on teaching employees leadership. Yeah, sure. I believe that. You can't just produce that. You can't just educate right. that. And yeah. you get the guys out of the military that have actually had to prove it. It's a make or break deal there. Um, it's kind of a natural uh, sector for recruiting, I would say. Okay. Is that something you've considered coming out, or do you know law enforcement was your path? Law enforcement was my path. I've always kind of had the the long range goals kind of set, and oh. maybe maybe that's a uh, a downfall for me too that I wasn't more open for my career path. But um, I, I enjoy law enforcement, and it was definitely in my career goals, and I was pretty set on doing it. And I kind of had the A, B, C, and D laid out, and I yep. went with A, B, C, and D, and then yep. some. And here we go for the rest of the alphabet, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so you came out of the service, and you. Were you National Guard? Yeah, so I went up to mm-hmm. Alexandria um, Technical College, finished yeah. my law enforcement degree. Yeah. I worked in Goodyear, worked in Kenyon, somewhere in between. They end up re-signing up with the, the National Guard, uh, Minnesota National Guard. It's actually, of all the Guardians, I think Minnesota is one of the more prestigious ones. They've done a lot okay. of stuff in history. Um, and I got to partake in some pretty unique stuff being part of that, too. What drew you back to the Guard? I think I kind of just missed the military a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I, I was also liking the, the law enforcement side of it, so maybe we just kind of get a little taste of it again, and yeah. we'll yeah, see yeah. kind of where it goes, and there was a re-enlistment in there, and it's just, uh, there's just something that it just kind of, again. It, what was the time frame that you went back? Uh, so it would have been about 2006, 2007. So things were rolling around pretty good over there. Yeah. Um, when I went on my second deployment, it was 2010 back to uh, Kuwait and Iraq mission. Okay. It was out during the drawdown. We were the uh, last, uh, literally among the last troops out of Iraq, officially. Yep. So you're the officially. first in and the last out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, how long were you with the National Guard? Uh, well, I guess we've been from 2005 to uh, probably about 2012. And then... Where were you at in your career at that point, uh, in your law enforcement career? I was with the city of Kenyon. Okay. Um, I was a police officer down there. Things were going good on the law enforcement side? Yeah, they were. I was with the uh, city of Goodyear. Um, I worked there part-time for a month. I was offered a chief of police job. And at the time, I was actually interviewing for uh, Kansas City, Overland Park, and Minneapolis. Okay. And I ended up turning all three down. Stayed to, stayed with Goodyear. I was a chief there. Left Goodhue, went private sector for a short little stint. Um, then the city of Kenyon, they went away from their contract policing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Schollander down there had uh, kind of oh, started yeah. up a PD. Yep. And uh, so joined him and uh, another guy and kind of started on a police department, I guess, in Kenya. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and now one of the county's alum is down there. Yeah. Uh, yep. Jeff Shoblin is now the chief of police after Ali retired here yep. just recently. 
I haven't heard much, but I think he's doing a pretty good job yeah, down there. I would say. Yeah. Um, and where are you at? Um, uh, so now you're we're up to Kenyon right now, right? Yep. That's where we're at. And where are you at with your family? Have you started family yet? Um, well, you're making me think back now. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you your kids' birthdays. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, we hadn't started family yet. We were still dating. Um, I think we we're still uh, going through that phase of life. Uh, sure. We got married in 2009, so I looking back, so we got married the same year I started with Goodyear County. Okay. okay. And you just started on the road with Goodyear County? Yep. yep. I started, I worked water patrol, was a patrol deputy, uh, and so pretty much every weekend I had off uh, from the road, I worked water patrol, okay. the rec division. Yep. So I got the little taste of that too. Yeah, you like the water, right? Yeah, but you know the thing with the water patrol, and I give them credit because it's I'm an avid fisherman too. Like I, I would spend every waking moment out yeah. chasing walleyes if I could. But so you're out there working every day on a river, and you have zero yeah. desire to go back out there. And yeah, right, Chase right. walleyes. So, <laughs> so there's a little balance there too. Yeah, it sounds all peachy until you realize it's uh, rain or shine. You're out there on the river working, yeah, right? Or wearing a soft body armor in, in <laughs> under oh, yeah. you know, 80, 85, 95 degrees. Yeah. yeah. They got some fun toys, though. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah. If you see them out there, wave at them. Yeah. They're working hard. <laughs> Bring them a bottle of water. <laughs> uh, where do you go from uh, Where do you go from the road? I mean, natural progression is a patrol sergeant, right? Yep. So I uh, worked the road. Um, I think I came back from my deployment in Iraq, and I probably uh, maybe a year, maybe two after that. Um, without being exact, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, putting in for a uh, patrol sergeant and got a patrol sergeant and uh, went back to nights. I love nights. Oh, night, yeah? Night, night shift. Night walker? Yes. Night guy? Yeah. <laughs> Took me a long time, but now I don't know if I'd ever want to go back to nights. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a whole different ball game, days versus nights, isn't it? It is. As far as calls taken and... Yeah. And I think uh, just from the uh, the sergeant standpoint, it's kind of nice because you're, you're really in charge of... You got, it's your world and uh yeah it's your guys and girls and yeah it it's up to you to make the decisions out there and i think that's where you learn because you can't you don't have the choice you have to make those calls and sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong the email in the yeah. morning will tell you otherwise and yeah and that's how you learn right and that's yeah. how you learn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how uh you know stretch uh stepping into that sergeant position how did uh how did leadership feel then I applied a lot of stuff I learned in the military. Okay. It was, uh, I had someone in the military once tell me that first step of leadership is just knowing your people. And yeah. once you know your people, you can head off a lot of issues like that and you know how to work with them, you know how to deal with them. Because if you try to apply the same tactic or technique with everybody, yeah. you're going to run into some friction yep. or worse. Yeah. Um, it's just nice being able to, uh, and I think they appreciate that too, because that, that requires you to communicate with them and get to know, it, know your people as well too. Right. So, yeah, I've heard it. Uh, I've heard the similarity similarities drawn between people and and even terrain. If you know the terrain, you can um, you can use it to your advantage, uh, or you know what to work around. And kind of the same thing with learning people and and figuring out what their better qualities are and what are some things you should maybe avoid and and just going that route. So that was going good. I mean, leading those guys and gals. How yeah. Many, how many people? Uh, how many deputies are under you when you're a patrol sergeant uh, back then it was uh i believe five with okay. my uh half tired mind but yeah about five <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh the number we discussed right four or five is about yep. right yep. yeah yeah span of control and uh obviously we have some technology to help us along the way and yeah you got your contract talents which helps control a lot of things too looking at it from the bigger picture leadership standpoint um, yeah, you have chaos come come about, but then you have everybody from all the other agencies getting involved too. So you're yeah. kind of controlling all those. But that's how you learn, though. And like I said, I took a lot from the military you know, okay. with a lot of stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, how long were you there uh, as a sergeant? Well, I was a sergeant until 2019 when I put in for captain and I was promoted to uh, patrol captain at and the sheriff's office. And now you've got a few more guys to lead around right? yeah like 42 i believe is <laughs> the number so that's going to be more difficult i mean by that time you probably know a lot of these guys and gals well, you know them all and yeah. uh you you meet them and you know your sergeants and it's uh 
you rely on your sergeants, sergeants make or break everything, right? It's mm-hmm. no different than the military was, like we yeah. were talking about with Ranger B- Battalion. It was, yeah. uh, you got the sergeants lead from the front, and as long as that's happening, y- your job isn't too bad. You just got to okay. oversight, and you're always going to have the stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's always stuff. It's how you react, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I learned a lot there, too. I mean, sometimes the reaction was good, and sometimes it was probably needs improvement, and <laughs> I'm just as guilty as anybody else. And that's part of being human, and it's part of... Uh, the art of leadership too. You gotta learn and just accept and acknowledge it when you make the mistakes too. Yeah, and right. the guys and girls appreciate that too more than anything. Yep. Yeah, when you take that ownership, kind of. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Right. That's a good way to build respect with those guys. So everything was going pretty good. You were a captain. How many sergeants are under you when you're a captain? Well, there's four road sergeants, uh, then there's a rec sergeant, and then oh. there is the civil sergeant or court security. I, I refer to it as civil court security because they really they accomplish two functions within the sheriff's office, yeah. civil division, and then the guys and girls that work over in the courthouse to keep them safe over there. Okay. And as uh, being a captain over sergeant, are, do you have more interaction with public then too as far as, um, I want to say complaints or you know public calling in on... And things like that? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't necessarily say it's more. I would say, because it's a sergeant, you take a lot too. You get the sure. initial phone call from the angry person who just got the speeding ticket for yeah. doing 40 miles an hour over the speed limit or something. Yeah, no, yeah. Or 10. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just mad because they got caught. And uh, yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, as a captain, you, I mean, you, you got some of those too. And a lot of times, uh, majority of the time, it was just, you just listen to these people. And, uh, it, they, they really didn't, at the end of the day, when he asked them, like, well, what, what would you want to do? They just want to tell somebody about it. Yeah. Somebody yeah. like a supervisor. Um, and there's sometimes you had to put some correction in there. Um, and then there was more serious stuff, too, obviously, because the uh, internal affairs piece came in, and that fell on my desk, too, at times. <laughs> Which is the least favorite part of it. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. That was fun there. Um, so a big part of the job, too, uh, and you were in charge of some training for the county too, right? Or yeah. is that just part of Well, I'm the, also the uh, um, emergency manager, uh, <laughs> excuse me, the uh, emergency response team commander, yeah. the SWAT commander okay. for yeah. the county. It's a regional team, Wabashai and Goody County team. Okay. And that's a whole different set of training, right? Yeah, that's a whole different world. That's okay. a whole, it's, you know, it's part of the sheriff's office, but it's a completely different uh, function, I would say. And is that something you can connect with other teams that are like the ERT team and kind of figure out how they're doing training or what they're working on? Yeah, that that is true. Um, however, I kind of come from the train of thought. Uh, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean it's yeah. the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so we base a lot of our uh, our tactics, techniques, procedures, our SOPs, and just our uh, our doctrine off of uh, uh, the National Tactical Officers Association. Legally, in the lawyer's terms, it's not a standard or a regulation. However, it's a industry accepted standard, I would say. Like okay. a guideline, kind of? Guidelines. Yep. And uh, the biggest complaint I would say that anybody in the profession would say is that it's just lack of some standards across the board with this stuff. I mean, we regulate mm-hmm. everything from like hairstylists to uh, yeah. doctors to, well, I'm <laughs> sure even mechanics and stuff have yeah. standards, right? Yep. Um, but for some reason, law enforcement seems to fall short in a lot of areas with some of that stuff. Okay. What do you think the reason is for that? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think number one is just historically, like some people just haven't looked at the profession as a profession or treated it like it should be. It was, okay. I mean, you kind of see that even still to this day, like even like your initial onboarding training with some agencies and some just can't do it um, financially or manpower wise. Here's, here's your gun, here's your badge, here's the keys, go drive the car. And don't get in trouble. Yeah, that's your uh, yeah. onboarding training. Yeah, and uh, I, I, so I think there's the, kind of the perception, and I think we're paying for that now. We have been for the last three, four years. Okay. Yeah, seems like it. I mean, it's it's a wide variety, not just between different cities, counties, but you know, you get between states and stuff, and correct. It's a whole different ballgame where you know Minnesota's two-year degree, right? Yeah, Minnesota's always traditionally led the way in standards um so when i talk about like depleted standards yeah we're looking at the countrywide i mean you get down south in some places and i think by now things have improved but it's kind of scary the, the low level of training and education required and i and i bring up education too um 
However, I don't believe that education has to come from a uh, university. I think there's a lot of ways to. There's a lot of people, a lot smarter than anyone in, yeah. in this garage that uh, yep. <laughs> self-educated or just went different avenues rather than a university. Yeah, definitely. So, and I, I'm kind of a big one on that because I've got an associate's degree, but I've definitely self-educated myself in a lot of different areas. I think my bio speaks for itself in that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, schooling can only get you so far until you can get some experience and and figure out how things really work out there. Uh, do you think it's a budgetary thing? I mean, do you think they could get more widely accepted standards if there was some cash sunk into somebody actually sitting down and penning this stuff out, or is it just going to be this way because it everything's regional like that? Well, I think the regional piece—it's hard to get states and well, it's hard to get two agencies to agree on something, yeah. right? Yeah, right. And that's why with the tactical piece, I think there's going to be more buy-in with that because there has been a lot of teams that have gotten in some trouble with some stuff, and um, we're all kind of watching that, and we're like, okay, we need to be paying attention, and I I think that is improving. I, I'm speaking for yeah. our team. Um, we've been way ahead of that, and I know a lot of teams in our region have been way ahead of that. I can't speak for Alabama and yeah, right. Oklahoma. I, I can't because yeah. I'm not down there, yeah. but uh, – so I think with that, and we're seeing the uh, legislation now coming through with law enforcement, that's why I say if we don't step up and take the initiative to get ahead of this stuff, uh, some other agenda will. And yeah. generally, when it comes from other sources, it's not uh, going to be beneficial for us either. It's going to do more harm than good for the law enforcement effort in general. Yeah. At least from what I've seen in the last couple of years with legislation pushed down. I've had a couple breaks, but... On the ERT team, are you still a commander? Is that what you call yep. it, commander? Yeah, commander. Okay. So you're leading those guys as well? Yep. And getting those guys trained and prepared, being the leader of that group, I mean, that's got to weigh pretty heavy on you, making sure these guys know what they're doing, know how to use their equipment, and just making sure they're ready. Is that something that weighs on you pretty heavy, just making sure these guys can handle what's thrown at them? Yeah, it's huge. Um, obviously, when it all else fails out in the field between Goodyear and Wabasha County, uh, we're the first people they call um, yeah. because there is nothing else right after You're us. Right. So the guy's uh, in barricade in the house trying to burn the place down, or he's you know standing on the front porch with a shotgun. And we have to intervene, or yep. you know, just whatever scenarios there there is. Or the guy drives to three towns shooting rounds off and ends up in the middle of the woods. Who's gonna go get him now? You can't yeah. just let them run around, I guess, and run into somebody's house as they're trying to sleep and, you know, like wife and kids are in bed. And so, yeah, we got to take action. And those interventions, especially now with uh, um, the requirements and the attention we have, it's uh, it's a lot. But we've uh, developed a lot of stuff. Uh, they're less lethal, our de-escalation strategies. We've uh, not only, like, just drafted up uh, our, our SOPs on them, but we've validated the tactics on them. And We've incorporated uh, numerous levels of uh, technology and less evil stuff to deal with this stuff. Sure. So ultimately, it's to save lives. That's the mission of the team. Yeah. Definitely. Whether it's uh, the suspect or whether it's our our own or yep. the citizens, that's that's our mission. And yeah, you're heading in there to de-escalate things and make yep. sure everybody gets home or to jail safe. Yeah. yeah. That's that's <laughs> it. Uh, so being commander at ERT team. Is that something that is, uh, I mean, how do you get put into that position? Is that by your peers, or how do you get into that position? I would say it's kind of both. Uh, I think at some point, uh, whoever's the commander of the team and whoever the sheriff's office administration is, they, they have to kind of assess, like, who would be viable for the spot. And at the time, uh, I guess that was me. And, mm-hmm. cool. hey, January 1st, you're taking the team. So, <laughs> and here we are. That's so, something you're excited about then? Yeah, the and I, I kind of knew that that was probably going to happen. Okay. You know, it's, at some point. Um, I, I was a sergeant at the time when I first took the team, and uh, um, obviously I was pretty well uh, versed in a lot of the protocols and the standards okay. of the NTOA and just locally too. And yep. I had been going to a lot of trainings and stuff, to, trying to get up to speed and just get myself educated to take on the role okay. on top of the military behind me. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I knew what quality training looked like i knew what having the standards in place looked like and i knew how to get the group to accomplish a b c and d right so right yeah i think that's an accomplishment that really speaks for itself because the the team is um the the guys on the team are brought in by like a peer review almost right 
Yeah, we have a selection process. We actually just re- uh, developed it here about four years ago, but ultimately there is a, a peer selection piece to it. And that's pretty, actually, that's pretty common across even your tier one uh, special operations forces. Mm, okay. You can go through the entire process and be the, 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 the greatest CrossFit athlete yep. on the planet. <laughs> yep. And if your personality does not jive, you do not get on a team. It's just, uh, you gotta, you can't be dealing with the personality conflicts when you're yep. trying to deal with everything else we have to deal with. And, uh, we, we hold ourselves to that high standard with that. So, yeah, I think that's maybe what I was trying to put into words is that you've got a, a group of guys that are at the next tier that, uh, were kind of brought in by their own peers almost. And then, you know, they bring you as their leader. So, it's almost the third tier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah kind of cool. Um, are these all are these all deputies then that are on the team? Uh, it's actually a mix. It's a multi-jurisdiction team. So we got uh, deputies and from uh, Good Hue and Wabasha County, but we also have a few municipalities that are also oh, on okay. the team. So, And we've got our own uh, medics too. Okay. So we've got uh, running fire department supplies, uh, three medics that they're all specially trained with uh, as tactical paramedics per se. Okay. And then we also have uh, Mayo Clinic actually join our mutual aid agreement as well. Oh, so, cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we got a PA with uh, Mayo on a team, nice. which is a huge asset. Oh, I, I could imagine. Yeah, and those assets can be used to even train like patrol and everything else too. So it's not just benefiting the, the tactical component. It's you're bringing those resources in, those capabilities, assets in to help the bigger picture too. So yeah, yeah, because maybe you bring uh, a sergeant from like Red Wing PD on. Um, you get him trained in, and then he goes back to uh, his crew, and he can train those guys on some of the things you guys talked about are trained on. Yep, that's a huge component of it. And we've honestly noticed, like, well, even our uh, our call-outs have really dr- dropped because now that we have all these tactical trained guys, they go to the training every month and go to the, the, the extra training on, on top of that, like N2A stuff or whatever it might be, they bring that back to their uh, patrol teams and they know how to deal with these situations and they know how to de-escalate it and they know the safe way to approach them. And at this point, like, a lot of times we don't even get the call. But there is still the element where you got to have the capability to have a well-trained team with all the tools and equipment, with yeah. everything's been trained and validated for tactics and usage and everything to be able to come in and for those things that just can't be handled at a patrol level. Yeah. Who was commander before you took in? Uh, uh, Sergeant Rob Trolin was okay. commander before me, and then uh, uh, Sergeant uh, John Blue, who's retired now. Yep. And his son, Tom, is with the county now, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, my brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just got married last week. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> is he ERT? Uh, no, he's not ERT. Mm. No. He's relatively mm. new yet on the department. Not even but, with uh, the family points, huh? Yeah, not even with the family oh, points. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, uh, from captain, you moved into kind of a different role, I mean, I think, and that is that emergency management director role that must be something that interests you at least for you to step into something like that right yeah so what i haven't mentioned the entire time uh, in my career from Goodyear actually is probably my first step so after 9-11 we got a lot of uh call it like the national incident uh, management system nims uh fema stuff and i won't even start bringing it up on a podcast because you're gonna lose <laughs> everybody you had listened to <laughs> But after 9-11, um, they, they identified a need to really emphasize the emergency management piece throughout the country. And when I got out of the military, I went to the city of Goodyear as chief of police. I really partnered with the uh, local fire department there, and we started kind of learning this thing. Um, and it's a monster. It's 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 horrible. It's horrible, <laughs> but it's important. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so we started learning it. So it just kept with me my entire career. So the entire time I'm learning the whole cop thing and the whole SWAT thing and just the administrative thing. Um, I also learned this emergency management thing. And I was, it's just one of those things where I kind of knew at some point I was probably going to head that direction. Okay. Um, then we had a retirement and uh, I told the sheriff I was going to put in for it and uh, ended up getting a, a position. Um, and it was uh, a really good move because from there you you know you're sitting at, at a captain you're sitting at about the 5,000 foot view right yep uh, emergency management director you're going to about 30,000 feet oh, yeah. gotcha so now you're dealing with 
not only the, the sheriff's office is really a very small piece of that whole thing. I mean, you're there, but you're also dealing with health and human services and you're dealing with the okay. egg egg industry, you're dealing with government, private sector, the volunteer organizations, you're dealing with the state, you're dealing with FEMA, you're dealing with all the all the federal alphabet yeah. agencies, as yep. we say, okay. in the state. So you're dealing with everybody, and you really learn um, a lot of stuff with that. And you really learn the county. Like, I've always had a pretty good awareness in the county, but when you start identifying, uh, like, all the different hazards and all the things that could yeah. go wrong, um, mm-hmm. like, I got, got a board with probably, like, 50 things that could go wrong you give it a day. Nickname is Chicken Little. Hey, I'll take it because yeah. that, that really is my job. It's just to kind of identify what could go bad and how are we going to deal with it when somebody asks for the plan. Okay. So The sky is always falling. The sky is always falling in my world. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, I mean, essentially, if I can try to boil it down with my pea brain, um, after 9-11, the federal government sees a need for a kind of an outreach between the federal government and local agencies um, as kind of disaster relief, and and they're kind of expecting, well, now you in your position to, you know, come up with the the different things you'll need depending on what happens? Yeah, that's a little piece of it. I think the, the bigger concept boiled down as best i'm horrible at boiling this stuff down (laughs) but i think the federal fema identified a need and they took it from the fire service because they already had it in place um a standardized method standardized structure of responding to disasters okay just kind of a a system uh, a a floor plan per se of how we're gonna lay this out and how we're going to approach it so we're going to have a commander and we're going to have somebody in charge of logistics and we're going to have somebody in charge of finance and okay. it's standardized across the board now and okay. that's okay. across the country although the federal government doesn't use the same model they use something totally different oh, really? of course they do <laughs> every four years they change the model <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the uh is it uh, something i picked up on that if you know maybe at the county level if we don't have these plans in place then you know we're at risk of losing that FEMA support? Uh, yeah, that is the case in some. So we have a nuclear power plant in our county, uh, Prairie Island. Yep. And so we get separate funds. It's a, uh, well, we'll throw out, just, we'll say a quarter million dollars because sure. it goes up up and down. I think next year we're looking at maybe over 300. But essentially Excel Energy pays the government to take care of all the emergency response okay. off-site. Okay. So the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission takes care of everything on-site. FEMA and uh, the Minnesota Homeland Security Emergency Management, HSEM, they're responsible for the offsite response. Offsite's Goodyear County, so that's how we get brought into the mix with that. We get paid funding to make sure that we're tip top prepared for that. Yep, okay. Um, so we're actually going into a major drill and exercise. If we don't meet the standards of that, and there's a lot of standards for it, um, it's a book about, you know, three, four inches thick. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we would lose that funding. Um, and then there's also uh, other grant money out there, too, that we would lose. And then you could you look at a lot of different uh, grant opportunities, or if we ever had a disaster, if we didn't have certain requirements in place for just yep. general emergency management, yep. we wouldn't get reimbursed for public assistance, like if a tornado oh, okay. wiped out one of our communities. Okay. So that's the importance of having all the plans in place. And Yeah. It's a very complex world. It seems and like it's a it. lot of uh, a lot of typing on the computer, a lot of drinking coffee, and, <laughs> and a lot of reading and sitting yeah. in meetings. Yeah. So. Uh, so, aside from the nuclear power plant, is there other things in our county that make us unique um, as far as emergency management planning? Oh yeah, the power plant. Honestly, uh, I say this publicly quite frequently. The power plant's the last thing I worry about. Oh. Um, it's. The number one thing we drill and exercise for, and we're very prepared for that, but they're safe. Yeah. There's just no other. I worked inside of the place. It's safe. Uh, The other things we do worry about, um, and I personally worry about maybe a little bit more, is well, we got got dams. Um, Billsby Dam is probably our most significant dam, although not the most dangerous dam. Um, Dams fail. Lake Billsby is being remodeled right now. Um, You know, if that were to fail, it's a lot of water pushed over. Oh, yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. falls. Um, however, that's being remodeled, and I would say it's safe. we got a lot of warning systems in place for that. But we also have, like, uh, our Bell Creek watershed has uh, earthen dams out there. Oh, yeah. But if you look at the river, um, we got railroad tracks on both sides of the river, so you're looking yep. at uh, potential environmental impacts. we got got okay. uh, 
commercial river traffic uh, and uh, recreational river traffic, sharpest bend in the river, you get low water levels, you're looking at collision potentials there, hazardous material, and this is where I start going on the rabbit hole. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any so, second, yeah. any second something could happen. So it's yeah. a, big, a big part of the plan, evacuation. Yeah, there's a, we have a, a specific plan for evacuation, um, and it's really, it's a lot of coordination pieces with that. We identify major roadways. Uh, for our nuclear power plant uh, plans, we've really hammered that down. Um, same with the Lake Billsby uh, okay. plan. But it's uh, a lot of public uh, warning, information communication, and uh, making sure our roadways are open. We don't have the problems, obviously, like the metro would have. Like, we don't yeah. have the stuff, uh, 2 million people on 494 at 5 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon, but yeah. it's still a thing for us. Sure. Do you deal with, like, the smaller floods and stuff, too? Yeah, and unfortunately, I haven't had to deal with a flood yet. Um, okay. We're right on the verge here. but we're getting it, there. Yeah, it's, we need the high water anyways. we got to get some good walleye spawning there. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we lost the parking lot there temporarily in Red Wing. Um, we watch our uh, river systems down in uh, Pine Island because um, those can flood and they get about an hour notice before the town gets cut in half with uh, floodwaters down there. So okay. it's, they've done some mitigation stuff down there, so it's not as uh, impactful, I guess, as it was once in the past, but still something you got to watch. Um, Flooding is a thing. It's, yeah. uh, they say it's probably the most expensive uh, disaster there is right now. Um, they just redid the FEMA flood insurance. Uh, Although this hail damage, I start to wonder about that, yeah. the expense on that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Seems like it hails every other day now. Yeah, every yeah. three days we get a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to plan for the small stuff and the really big stuff. Yeah, and the uh, small stuff a lot of times, as long as they have insurance, that's what we encourage. You know, for uh, public reimbursement, uh, public assistance, it's really government uh, sector assets that get covered with that. Definitely. However, that goes on a rabbit hole too because yeah. some churches under certain de- declarations and okay there's there's a whole fema manual on what potentially could be reimbursed and that's my job to kind of work with the state and figure that out with okay. their disaster after our disasters it's pretty exciting stuff I'm yeah i don't think i'd make <laughs> it's it through interesting the, for I sure i don't know that i'd make it through the first chapter of the <laughs> yeah. fema book yeah it would take a lot of coffee i think so that has got to be pretty interesting dealing with um so many different agencies right and and seeing how things are really ran out there um, do you find yourself uh, kind of in the midst of different styles of leaderships, depending on some of these different agencies you deal with? Yeah, actually, it's, uh, I mean, just trying to get the emergency management effort together in the county. I think that was a uh, piece for me to take on leadership-wise, uh, kind of just stepping up, taking charge, bringing in all the emergency managers locally together. Yeah. We're really good about communicating with the state and our regional partners, Sometimes we forget about our backyard. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and that was a big goal of mine. We actually had our first uh, local emergency manager meeting here uh, um, just a couple months ago, and uh, we stay in pretty good contact. I mean, we don't always have something. You know, a lot of these uh, towns, uh, you know, it's the chief of police and the, the emergency manager, and sure. they got about fifteen other tasks too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, I try to help out as much as I can with that stuff. So, it's uh, not everyone gets their own designated emergency manager. No. So. And definitely not one qualified like you are. Right. <laughs> so in the director role of emergency management, do you have people that you're leading? Or is it um, or is it more of a coalition between other emergency managers around the area? Well, I have uh, one part-time assistant. Um, and I would say, describing it as a coalition, we, kind of, uh, we all kind of work together. It's probably yeah. a good way to do it. Okay. So we have a regional partnership. It's uh, Southeast Minnesota. We also work with the state, and we, like I said, we're reaching out recently here to our backyard, making sure we're all on the same yep. page, and yep. kind of giving them some guidance on how to get some plans together, and just giving them some stuff. I, I didn't know everything about setting these, this stuff up, so I had to do a lot of learning my yeah. first few months. Yeah. Um, and I actually had to meet some FEMA requirements uh, within my first like five months of this taking this job, so it was a lot of studying and typing at home and the off hours and. It's uh, we literally got like seven or eight binders of different, uh, brought the plan up and <laughs> yep. the county's got one giant emergency operations plan. It's like seven or eight binders now, if I think about it. And that's including like the uh, radiological plan and the Billsby Dam plan. And, okay. you know, we, we keep paper backups for everything because now in the day of cybersecurity and cyber threats, if we lost our network or something, you know, it's just yeah. stuff you got to think about. So we kill a lot of trees in my office. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
so I think that was my lead in to uh, the question of if you if you miss the spot at captain and being able to have that influence over the sergeants and being able to lead these teams. Yeah, I think there was some opportunity missed there. Um, you know, I was there and it, I think I, I did what I could. Yeah. And uh, when the opportunity comes up, sometimes we got to take these opportunities. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, um, moving into that, the role you're in now, got like you said you're up at 30,000 feet and uh, you get a better view of what's happening and what's going on and you get to meet a lot more people and and figure out what's going on in our county and I think that could even that's just another step to uh to set you up for future goals like the one you're running for right now yeah (laughs) what do you when you're uh you know you stepped into that sergeant role I'm guessing the chief of good you was sort of along the same lines but uh, into that sergeant role or into that captain role especially as uh, as a leader what do you think is uh, is a good way to be building these relationships with these guys or people that are under you I think this goes back to just getting to know them and understand them and leading from the front uh, if you think you're going to lead by email or yeah. lead behind a computer screen you're, you got a rude awakening coming mm-hmm. And another piece that I really emphasize, and I explain this to my sergeants, and I, I know some of them don't always agree with me, which is fine. <laughs> um, a new generation now asks the question, why? And if you can't accept that, that's going to be hard for the older generation to uh, get past. And, I, and I, don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if we can't answer the question why with stuff, I think uh, um, maybe we got to rethink what we're actually doing there, too. And I'm not talking about in the middle of a uh, a major emergency, people right. dying on the streets, which is like 1% of what we do, right? Yeah. Uh, just a lot of times we can slow it down, especially nowadays. We can deliberately slow it down, and we can think ourselves through as a team. And um, if you give out a directive and order and um, you're asked why, I think you should be able to articulate that to some degree. Um that's just my thought process on it. And I think it's a good checks and balances system too. Mm-hmm. And the newer generation just demands it. And if you yeah. can't communicate that with them, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough, and you see the culture clashes, right? Yeah. 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 And it's never uh, a good answer when it's because this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. That will, uh, this, I don't like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's, it's an interesting because it, it goes all the way down to even, um, talking with your kids and trying to explain them why we're doing what and uh, the yep. reasons we do the things we do, and it's never just because. It's <laughs> right. never a good yeah, answer. I think you just as a leader, you got to be open minded because yeah. the second you think you know everything, mm-hmm. you're wrong. You got to always be learning and you got to be yeah. able to adapt. And there's a reason why you work in teams, right? You know, more more minds in the in the thought process yep. and the problem solving is yep. is a better thing. I always thought. And there's like there's like this. I don't know, it, too much TV or something. People think like the military too is just, you know. Just yeah, do what I say. Do what I say. Yeah. You know, I say jump one inch and you just jump two inches. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know. That was probably a horrible analogy. But, <laughs> you know, if you look at your, your special operations forces too, it's a collective planning process. And I really emphasize that with ERT. I emphasize that with uh, um, the guys on the road. And after every instant we had we always huddled up and we always did what i call an after action review and it might just be a sit and grab some coffee at quick trip and zabrota but we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna vent and we're gonna leave it all there and we're gonna move on and learn from it yeah and it's just some basic stuff and i know the guys are doing that now um still which is it's it's key and it's very important yeah um and it's uh i, I think you see that in a lot of a lot of industries not just law enforcement and the military too yeah, it's so easy to put your blinders on and get uh, kind of get stuck in in the day to day stuff. Uh, but to sit down and and talk about the experience, I mean, that's really the way that you can gain that experience yep. instead of just uh, moving on and moving past it, not learning your lessons properly. And you got to talk about right. the bad stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And I, and I've been in the huddles too, where everyone says, "Oh, it all went good." It never goes all good. No. Yeah. Because I know from any <laughs> operation or anything, you can always just put as an improved communication, right? Yeah. Whether we're talking about the radios or we're just talking about we didn't talk to each other clear enough, that's always an improve. And you can just keep breaking it down the list. There's always some stuff you can put in there. Yep. So it's just what experience has taught me. And 
I, th- I think it still kind of holds true to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So community policing has uh, has certainly been the buzzword lately. I don't know, for the last five, seven, ten years or so. I mean, is that something that you're conscious of? Oh, very much. Um, so the thing is, when I look at community policing, I also look at trying to implement a model that's actually really doing something for public safety too. Yeah. We, we can post pictures on Facebook. Right. But what is that really doing? I yeah. mean, we're building, are we yeah. really building relationships right. or should we have all of our deputies like getting out in the community and talk to the business and getting to know and establish those relationships? And there's different, there's different models of it. Um, and I'm not talking bad about Facebook or social media because we no. have to connect those ways too. Yep. But I think sometimes it gets used as too much of a buzzword, and we just see the uh, fluffy puppy pictures, on yeah. and it's not really yeah. doing much to really solve the problems we have out there. And we have no. a lot of problems out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And social media is not the real world. I mean, getting uh, walking that beat and getting to know, like you said, business owners or or uh, different community members is the way to build those, really build the trust and and foster those relationships the public wants to see they want to know their cops they want to know their their familiar faces it makes it easier to report stuff and sometimes Mm -hmm. you're not going to just get a formal report you're going to be walking down the street or someone's going to pull up to you and they're going to tell you about some stuff they've seen and if you (laughs) follow up on that and you get to know them that's where you start getting that information and that's what we do with it you know after that i guess is where we get more efficient with some of our police work Yep. So that's kind of how I picture the community policing spot. I know there's, yeah, throughout history, you can look at a lot of different models. You know, you had the preventive patrol and the, the broken window stuff. I, college teaches a whole bunch of stuff. But I, I think at the end of the day, you just have to get in with the people that you're out there serving and protecting. And uh, you got to get those those relationships a little bit more in depth. Yeah. Do you find it hard to get your guys to be humanized almost? Well, it depends. Um, I a younger generation that can't communicate sometimes. Yep. It's uh, it's <laughs> tough because it, social media is a double edged sword. It's great for communication, but growing up when you just stare at a computer all day, you're not talking to people. Yeah, yeah. I, we all know what we're talking about, right? Yep. So yeah. So I think, but I, I think uh, I see that the communication piece is a struggle with uh, a lot of, especially young cops and. I mean, everyone's got their bad days. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. all had them. We're all just humans. <laughs> yep. I'm sure uh, um, you've had someone walk in the shop and you just didn't uh, have nothing but awesome words for it. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know. But I think uh, in general, um, I think it's just got to be a point of emphasis that so we got to learn how to communicate. And especially yeah. when we start talking about the crisis communication and uh uh, de-escalation piece we gotta learn how to do that and there are programs and there's training out there but we just gotta get to them and we gotta yep. be conscious of it and make it just make sure it's continuous i guess yeah is this something that freaks out a little bit uh now putting your hand in the ring and uh and running for sheriff is being more public and more out there and sharing your life more yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, anybody that knows me, there isn't much secrets with me. No. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's I, I I worry about the family a little bit, you know. Sure. It's uh, obviously it's, you know, I I'm not a perfect person, and you know, I I'm a good person, not perfect, and I, uh, yeah. I mean, there's if you want to pull some stuff up, I'm sure you can find something. I mean, <laughs> dig hard enough, right? Everybody's got something, but. Yep. I don't know. I'm not too worried about the the public. I, I've been a cop for long enough. Where it, I've been out in the public. Yeah, they see you out yeah. there. They see you out there. <laughs> right, they know right. where I live. I've had a I have a billboard in my front lawn every single day <laughs> with squad cars and lights. And yep, it's it's a thing. So yeah, hard to hide that squad sitting in your driveway, yep. isn't it? When did you realize that you wanted to put your hat in the ring? I'd say by last year, November. Um, it was uh, just had some dis- disagreements, different viewpoints with uh, uh, current management, and I uh, I felt that we needed some change. We needed uh, some leadership, um, and kind of looked at it. I assessed the situation, and I was like, I do see that this is viable, and French came home and told my wife I'm running for sheriff. Yep. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> so, it, you know, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I had someone in the military once tell me, you know, if you're not happy with things, you know, 
quit bitching about it stand up get yourself to a position where you can actually make the change yourself right sure some paraphrased however that came yeah. out but I, I think uh, instead of sitting on the sidelines and complaining about it you gotta sometimes try to make make the stand at least right to yeah yeah take oh, the chance. yeah and that's i mean that's the same in any profession I mean, I see it in shops too that I've worked in. It's like people, some people just want to sit around and complain. And that's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know? yeah, like there are definite steps you can take to improve your position and, uh, and make things go more smoothly for yourself and sitting around complaining about it isn't one of them. I mean, sometimes that can, sometimes that can be productive as far as bringing some issues to light, but not if that's just your MO to sit around and complain. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, we, we've all been there where we had someone come up and yeah. complain, 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 and no real solutions. And I just didn't want to be that person. It's like I, I I've got the qualifications, I got the knowledge base, I, I know good accounting, I know the people that serve here. Like I can do this, and you know it always comes down to money and the financials. Yeah. Kind of worked out, and I was like, well, all right. So that was part of the assessment process, and like I said, it. We're gonna do it. Excellent. <laughs> <So> here we are. <laughs> when did you announce it? Uh, it was last Tuesday. Okay. And how did that all go for you? Um, well, I'll tell you. I, the, we had this planned out for, like I said, like six months, right? Okay. Um, we had marketing teams, and uh, we probably had like forty people involved in the whole process of planning. The announcement came, and it was supposed to go off perfect, right, without a hitch. Yeah. Social media was all lined up, ready to go, on the push the, the, the click of the mouse, and uh, well, that completely failed. It did, <laughs> yeah. it did launch. So off to a great start. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, wow. Yeah. So we had to manually deploy the announcements, and uh, um, yeah, I forgot to, uh, forgot my post license. That's one of the requirements to file for sheriff. So I forgot that. I was like, oh wow, I actually need to turn this in. So I had to get that. <laughs> so it was a busy morning, but it was successful. And um, once everything kind of got launched, uh, the, the amount of support coming back was absolutely unbelievable. Good, Mo- mostly um, positive, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, um, I honestly I haven't really had much for negative. I've had some cold shoulders, okay. and, and you know, you walk around, you, you get a little like the radiation treatment, like you <laughs> yeah. just like jumped out of the reactor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, so that you mentioned the post license. Are there other prerequisites that uh, that you need to uh, to run for a position like that? Yeah. So basically, you got to be a current peace officer or a post uh, license eligible. Um, you got to pay your fifty dollar filing fee. Um, uh, it's uh, it's pretty simple requirements actually. Okay, fifty dollars they get you at every turn. Don't they, they do. They yeah. get you at every turn. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to use the photocopier, five cents a yeah, copy. Yeah, we could. <laughs> no. So, what do you say? Forty people behind this? Yeah, I mean, just in one capacity or another. Okay, yeah, sure. So we had a pretty good team going into it over the few months, and okay, yeah, you know, it was everything from like the marketing piece to people just kind of helping vet some of the narratives. Like everything you okay. see there, I typed. Right. Okay. I don't believe in having other people type my stuff. Sure. Yeah. I don't. Know, I think like maybe some songwriters or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're kind of <laughs> yeah. the same thing. But yep. it's like I, I want everything to be very sincere, yeah, and yeah. everything you see there is very sincere. And yep. And I know there's a couple punches in the announcement narrative and everything, but you know I'm not doing this because I felt everything was going good, right? Sure. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't help solving anything if we don't come out with and start speaking about what's actually going on and having yep. the conversations and. So, like I said, it, uh, it there's probably stuff that would just, was originally in there that was like, hey, you might want to just take that out. Okay, okay we could do that. Yeah, so, that's fine. You don't, you don't ever want to do anything on emotion, so that's no, where the, no, time, very true. the time comes in. And over the course of six, seven months, uh, you have enough time and enough vetting that it's definitely not an emotional response. So yeah. nobody good, makes good decisions under emotion. No, definitely not. Another rule of leadership. Yep. I would agree with that. Any big surprises on, you know, besides how many people you needed to pull this off? Yeah, <laughs> like, it seems like any a lot. other big surprises on on you know, starting a campaign or, or Well, it's uh it was another educational process. Yeah. I, I developed my own marketing plan and I took it to the marketing company that I hired. Um and they told me that was the first time they've seen that. So I've kind of felt good about myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Because <laughs> I, I knew nothing about marketing last year. Okay. I know a lot about marketing now. Oh, I bet. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it was, it's just it's a lot. And uh, and I know that uh, the real hard work's coming up ahead here. We actually started uh, doing our ground campaign last weekend. 
um, we actually went into uh, the east side of Red Wing, um, started hitting the community there. And uh, it wasn't really sure because I, I'm used to being down there for a lot of other reasons, right? Uh-huh. Um, I've had a lot of search warrants on that area, but you know, you start talking and you weren't really sure what you can get for reactions, and people were just amazingly supportive on it. And they're like, we like the cops and we want to see the cops and yeah, we, yeah. Su- we support what you're saying and I appreciate that a lot. So, no, I think that was a surprise too. And uh, the more and more I started meeting people, uh, it, the people that you meet just knocking on doors and talking to people. Yep. Um, we're chasing people down lawnmowers when they're outside because <laughs> nice. we don't want to wake people up. So, yeah, right, right. You know, it was, it was kind of fun. So, so it's going to be a busy summer full of parades and handshaking yeah and first parade in pine island here in a couple of weeks and then uh there's a good huge volks fest and we got lake city water ski days and uh oh yeah then fourth of july and we just you know there's gonna be a whole bunch of stuff uh, looking forward to it and uh the, the family's ready to go and uh, i got their old t-shirts all ready to go and perfect yeah my youngest had to wear a t-shirt the daycare day <laughs> <laughs> she had it in a closet she couldn't uh, keep it in there any longer so every vote counts right yeah every vote counts so <laughs> it's gonna be a busy summer but we're looking forward to it and I I believe in a cause which makes it easy you know yeah it makes it for me I don't have any hesitation with it that's great aside from your time in the service have you always been a Goodyear County resident uh well not always I um I moved up here from uh, Elgin Illinois I was just I was born actually born in Elgin but at like age one and a half two I'd have to ask my mom exactly what age it was. Yep. Moved up here. But, yes, outside of that, I've always been. You know, during college, obviously, yeah, and like I said, the military. Um, yep. Lived in Goody County. Uh, this is home, so, yeah. which makes it even more um, motivation to do this right now. I don't know if I could do this for a community I didn't know. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, this is home. It's family, friends. It's it's everything here. So. Yeah. And it's a big county. It is. It's a big county. 47,000 people and a lot of trees and corn in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some people in the cornfields. And some people Who in knows? the cornfields. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> so it's an interesting dynamic. We talked a little bit off air here that um, that you can put in for your boss's job. Or if you're the sitting sheriff, you have to put in for your job again and run for your job. I mean, that doesn't happen in every industry. So it's a bit of a weird dynamic. How uh, how long is the term or, you know, how often is the election for sheriff? Uh, the term is four years. Okay. And there's no term limits. It's going for re-election if you choose to do so. And, yeah, it's every four-year four cycle. Okay. Are you kind of looking back into the history then of, of every sheriff that's been in? Yeah, um, and it's uh, – it's kind of looking back. Uh, so I sir, I was hired by uh, Sheriff Albers. Okay. Um, and then obviously uh, Sheriff uh, Scott McDermott, and then uh, uh, Sheriff Chris Johnson, and then uh, um, then Sheriff Kelly, most recently here now. So and it goes back much further than that. Uh, I couldn't even. Uh, uh, Sheriff Groat was before. Uh, yeah, well, any yeah. idea how many there have been? <laughs> yeah, well, I was not. I was looking at that not too long ago. Um, I couldn't even throw out the number, but uh, I got to visualize. But uh, <laughs> somewhere between zero and hundred, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, some somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, this has been interesting getting to know you a little bit, and uh, I hope we can get this out to some people to get to know you as well. Uh, if people are interested in reading about you or or even helping out because i know you've got a donate tab on your page because it is not cheap to run a campaign i know that much no, i learned that yep <laughs> the hard way yep. uh where can people find out more about you uh com. simple easy easy you're on all the social medias i'm sure as well yep and we're adding more social medias coming up here we got uh uh, video production team just is doing final edits on a video coming out here that will be on our YouTube channel once we get that launched. And then, uh, yeah, we got, uh, I think we're doing TikTok. I was told I'm doing TikTok. You're doing nice. some <laughs> <laughs> so look out for Josh dancing on TikTok. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was trying to have vision on what that was going to look like, and I don't even know if I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is interesting, though, because you see some of these dance challenges, though, that you know some departments um dive into really heavy and they're super fun to watch 
I mean, we were talking about yeah. community policing, and I think that gets people uh, gets people to recognize that at least that our law enforcement officers are real people. Yeah, not robots. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah and there's some people out there that think we we just go home and get plugged in at night exactly, and come back yeah. out. And just, yeah, don't worry. We, uh, some of us do drink beer, and uh, some of <laughs> us have bad other habits like tobacco, and <laughs> we do dance, and we do swear, and, yep. you know, we, we fight with our kids too, and, you know, it's... We're very much humans. Yeah, very much relatable. Yep. So go check him out, electjoshhanson.com. Was that it? Yep, electjoshhanson.com. You nailed it. Check out the website uh, if you feel compelled. Help him out with his election as well. Um, There's a donate tab there. I'm sure they take major credit cards. (laughs) (laughs) You take it all. Yeah, take it all. (laughs) You can even mail in a check. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, thanks for coming in, Josh. Maybe we'll catch up again later this summer and see how things are going with you. Yeah, I like it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, if you got any enjoyment out of this show, if you thought the information was worthwhile, share it with a friend. Yeah, tell everybody we really appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Just the Two of Us podcast with me, John. And I am Nate. Good night, everybody. Good night.